This is Pathways. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. My guest today is Dr. Tricia Wright, who received her PhD degree in genetics and molecular biology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She then went on to a postdoctoral fellowship at Duke University, where she studied a proto-oncogene in breast cancer. Tricia is currently the director of the Office of Postdoctoral Affairs at the Indiana University School of Medicine. She has been in this role since 2014. Dr. Wright is responsible for enhancing the postdoctoral experience and fostering the professional development of approximately 200 postdoctoral trainees through advocacy, resource development, and programming. Tricia, welcome to Pathways. Thank you, Randy, for having me today. So tell us, let's start from the beginning. How did you come to this country? I understand you're from Jamaica. Yes, I was, um, I was born in Jamaica. We, my family and I emigrated here when I was eight years old and we actually came to, um, to California first. Um, we stayed with some family there before moving to the East Coast, to New Jersey. So what brought you here? So what did, was a job of one of your parents? How, how did that work? Um, like most, most people back, back then, it was for a better life. Um, with, Within the within the U.S., seeing for a better future for for not all, for your children. So that was pretty much the reason that I knew my family came here was mm -hmm. for a better life. So, where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey, in Central New Jersey, actually. So, lots. Well, what town? <laughs> what town did you grow up in? I grew up in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, uh, which is an urban um, city that's that's in Central New Jersey, closer to. Across the bay, across from Staten Island. Okay, okay. And tell, tell me when you became first interested in science. When did you get bitten by the bug, so to speak? I actually, I was interested in the science from an early age. Um, I have got a younger brother who has autism, and that actually sparked the bug. I was wondering why, why that, why that actually happened. I was originally thinking I wanted to be an MD. But then upon well, getting farther and farther into, sci into the sciences, I realized that I prefer the research aspect side of it rather than the MD side of it. Plus the whole side of blood was just not, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so was there, was there somebody who helped you along the way, a, a mentor, teachers, anybody who really influenced you in helping you go down the, say, the research path? There were um, throughout high school and then through college. So through throughout middle school and um, high school, I was actually interested more in the sciences and mathematics. And I was originally debating between math and science because I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. And, and when I got to college was when I really started to get my original college degree was going to be in science. So I, uh, my undergraduate degree is in biotechnology and that was my declared major. Um, I also got, got to work in a lab. It was, I believe my junior, sophomore year um, of college, um, just pouring plates, which is something that you do in an C. elegans or Worms lab. And then I actually got more into, then I got into the actual working at the bench because I was wondering, what are they doing with the worms? <laughs> what are they, what's going on there? So that's actually how I got into the in doing research at the, at the collegiate level and at, in academia. So I understand that when you finish your degree, mm -hmm. you, you were at Rutgers, and then you spent a couple of years as a research technician. Having been one myself, I can really appreciate that time that you spend to then see where you go next. How did that influence you in terms of where you went next? Sure, so actually when I was finishing up my major, I was in the lab, I did a senior thesis within four, um, before graduation, so I, it was actually a really great experience because I got to, I spent I think half my senior year in the lab and I took 
a few classes, but most of the time was spent in the lab and I got credit for that and actually got to write up a senior thesis. But at the end of that, I was debating whether or not I wanted to go on to, um, to become, um, to go into a PG program because that was pretty much what everyone did after they finished their, their degree, but I wasn't quite sure if I was there. I had a really great mentor in, my, in the lab where I did my senior thesis. Um, and he was actually really instrumental in me actually because I was deciding where I wanted to go next. And I didn't want to become, I did not want to actually go directly into 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 the PhD program. I wanted to make sure that it was the right path for me. So I decided that, that I would actually go and work. And I actually turned down some, uh, some industry positions because I wanted to see what it was like to work in academia in the lab in, at the university. And that, um, that mentor who was actually there actually helped me get that first position as a lab, laboratory technician. He recommended me based on my work from the senior thesis, which was really nice. Dr. That, Mano, Dr. Dr. Mano. So it's really important then that the undergraduate research experience that you had to really help solidify that yes. interest to go down the PhD pathway. So let me let me ask you. This is before you, and maybe even when you were in graduate school. So let's let's talk about barriers, potential barriers. So we, t we talk about individuals from where they come from, whether they have a socioeconomic background, whether they're people of color, whether they're gender. Had, you had any obstacles that, that maybe got in the way for you in terms of your, your advancement? Honestly, I would say I had really great people um, pushing me forward. I think sometimes I got in my own way. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, <laughs> just because sometimes you're just like, really, can I, am I, can I do this? Is this going to happen? But then you had all these people who were just like, you, you know, what a, you can do this. You're doing this now. <laughs> you should move forward and go on with it. But it was great to have that support in the background because sometimes you can get in your own way and just thinking, maybe, maybe I'm just not cut off for this. But I think that's something that everyone experiences through grad school, right around third, fourth year. <laughs> you start to wonder, what am I doing here? Is this, <laughs> is this, what's, is this the right path? <laughs> well, what we would call the imposter syndrome, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. But nonetheless, you did, you were at Chapel Hill yes. in North Carolina and did quite well. And could you tell us a little bit about really how you got interested in service? specifically postdoctoral affairs. Sure. So when I was at, when I came into grad school, I was actually even when I was interviewing for the grad, for PhD programs, I was never interested in becoming a faculty member and I'll put that out there now because that was not of my interest and I made sure that people knew that when I was interviewing so that it was not on the <laughs> it was but not for me. A, even as a graduate student. Even as a grad student I was not interested in becoming um in becoming fac a faculty member or a PI. I was interested more in industry. But the more and more I realized, I, the more I got into it, I realized that I actually liked um, working with, at, with and for students, um, produ producing programming, doing all these different things, mentor programs and things like that. So one of our program directors um, identifying this interest actually helped to move forward. Um, we actually set up some informational interviews when I was uh, when I was helping to recruit at one of the major at one of the national meetings, um, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Going out and helping to do programming, so going out to to a different university to set up um, to set up a wet lab, 
um, program with two other grad students um, and then helping to recruit students back for undergraduates, back for summer programs, things, setting up a mentor program. Just because of that, that interest that was shown, um, it helped to push forward, which I thought was a really great, great, great aspect of my PhD program. So you had exposure to service mm -hmm. and opportunities to see what else you could do Definitely. that still required your, your PhD degree yes. <laughs> and your training that you had. Yes. But you, you didn't want to go faculty route, no. but you decided to do a postdoc. Tell us about that. I did. When I was doing all the informational interviews, I was actually looking at, um, at something with either career development, um, director of programs, um, either PhD or graduate programs even looking more at the um, postdoctoral programs as well. And most everyone across the board from, from the government, those who were directors at the government, in industry, at um, the academics said actually that it would be better to, actually, to go on to a postdoc and, and gain further experience there, just kind of um, gear, make sure that you still be a postdoc in terms of getting papers, um, doing presentations, but also go on, try, get more, build upon that because you don't want to lose the, that aspect of it because being a postdoc will actually help you more if you, if you decide you want to go on and become a, um, a postdoc director because at that point in the, how the, the field was shifting where it was, they were looking, I believe at that point they were looking for people who actually had that experience before um, to, so that someone can actually speak from firsthand knowledge of, of that. So that was something that I kept in mind when I was looking for my postdoc as well as um, you know, saying, making sure that I kept everything else up, so making sure that I kept up all the duties of the postdoc. So become, um, writing grants, um, being self, being funded that way, making sure that we're um, uh, authoring papers, um, going out presenting as, as posters as well as uh, going to national meetings. So all that was kept up on top of um, some of the service aspect as well. How supportive was your postdoctoral mentor for the service activities that you did as a postdoc? He actually really was very supportive. Um, he didn't really know much about what <laughs> what it was going on, but I was fairly honest with him in terms of, you know, having tried. It was a very it was a little bit daunting because <laughs> it was a fairly high profile lab, but it was for me. I thought he was really supportive because I made sure that I was like, you know, this is I made sure I outlined what I wanted to do and what kind of what kind of experience I, experiences I wanted to get. Um, this was something that we spoke about during our yearly um, evaluations. Um, I made sure I wrote out what, what experiences I wanted to get, what, um, what I wanted to build upon, and how I was going to do that. So that was something that I think he actually appreciated seeing as well. <coughs> I think what, what I hear is that we're talking from undergraduate and then post-undergraduate graduate student postdoc, the importance of mentors yes. <laughs> and how you were supported, where that's really important. And I think one of the things too, and you mentioned this, was that as PIs, and you have a, a trainee in your lab, and all you know is research, it's hard to really wrap your head around how this person can go out to do service activities that are outside the bench realm, but yet nonetheless you had supportive mentors throughout to mm -hmm. give you the opportunity to do that, but with still the expectation that you're supposed to publish papers. I think so. I think it's also it also helped that when I would come back from doing some of these things, I felt like I because I was trying to do all because I had all these different things going on, it actually pushed the research forward because I was so worried that I'm going to 
<laughs> because there was a big worry there that oh my gosh am I am I going to my my primary duty here is to do research and you know this is something that I really like doing but making sure that everything moves forward there as well so I think that actually helped rather than hinder what my my main purpose was so so it lit a fire under your <laughs> it seat. It really did. I would come back real, in grad school, I would come back really energized. I'd go out to like Aber camps or recruiting. I'd come back all the, you know, be, go full force <laughs> in the lab again because you get all energized. Like, yes, this is great. <laughs> but <laughs> it was really good. So to have that opportunity, the, all, all of those things are important. I, I, again, I, I think I can't overemphasize the importance of mentor support for trainees wanting to at least explore these, these areas as, as potential career paths. So you're in your postdoc, you're experiencing these efforts in recruitment, you're working in postdoc office, uh, I guess do it, involved, was that as an undergraduate you did that or was that as a, as a postdoc at Duke? For the- When you were associated with uh, postdoctoral affairs. Uh, within the postdoctoral affairs, as a grad student, I actually did um, did speak with our postdoc director, and actually also spoke because they offered a career um, a career services person. So I did some career services with them. They allowed me to kind of, <laughs> even though I was a grad student, they allowed me to to take some of the like the MBTI tests and things like that of that nature um, to get an idea of what I wanted to do because I was really starting to say around my second or third year, I believe it was, so I was like, okay, <laughs> what we know, where, where, where should I go forward from that? But within the, within grad school, I was working more closely with our PhD director, but we'd also, in some of the recruiting events, the postdoc director would also be there. So there was some effort, there was some collaboration there as well for us, including our mentoring, setting up our mentoring program for one of the programs that I was in. She was actually instrumental in helping to identify how do we match things of that. And when I was a postdoc, I was part of the postdoctoral association where the postdoc uh, director was the advisor for the postdoc association group. So, is that what really influenced you in terms of it was going down the <laughs> road to ultimately be a postdoc office director? It was a director? combination of all those things. It's almost like they kind of snowballed onto each other. So it's all it's almost like one thing built upon the other. Realizing where where would be better because I I was looking at quite a few different positions when I was um, when I was doing my job search. You know, career professional development. Um, director of a PhD program, director of a postdoc program, and I realized as I was going through that I think that the postdoc pro the postdoc director would be a better fit for myself as well because I prefer I liked work I like working at this level with um, with those who already have their PhDs and are still deciding, okay, where do I want to go from here? What do I want to do with with um, with my future? So, what attracted you to the position that you hold now? To be honest, when I read it, it's almost like it was written for me <laughs> because I came back to it several times. I was just like, this sounds like I've got all the experiences that they're looking for. There's no way. <laughs> it was one of those kind of aspects. I was like, I think I can check off all the boxes here, but wait. So I, I circled back to it. I saw it several times. I saw it come up. And I didn't initially apply when I first saw it, but then I kept looking back and I was like, I think I've got all the, I think I've pretty much got most of the boxes checked for this. <laughs> so <laughs> I was speaking to one of my friends and one of her advice was, excuse my language, apply for the damn job. <laughs> 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 which, right, right. <laughs> which I thought was a, 
great advice and advice that I I definitely took because I was just I was like I should apply for it and she was just like apply <laughs> for the job and so this is kind of after interviewing um, being invited out um, phone interview and then being invited out for in-person interview um, which I thought was really great um, and then hearing the position that was offered I was very excited that it was like really me <laughs> really me but I thought it was because it was a it was a culmination of just all the experiences and all the things that have happened from the within my professional life that I thought helped to solidify this getting to this point of getting this position so all the experience that you had accumulated yes. over yes. time to really prepare you or that build that foundation to really take it to the to the next level definitely yes <laughs> so what's a typical day look like for you in your in your role it varies and I know that's probably that's a very vague answer, but it, <laughs> um, it can go from anywhere from actually answering um, questions from faculty and staff about um, how do I hire a postdoc or what's going on with um, with X and Y and um, do I need some information about this? Maybe even um, going to different meetings with with some of my colleagues within the office, as well as um, doing some outreach to different offices. So setting up some programming there. Mm -hmm. It can also um, be talking to different postdocs who this is what we're here for speaking to them about a variety of things from career um, mock interviews um, maybe there there's an issue that needs that they need some um, some that they need some answers from me from it could be it's a large variety of things or working on some programming that the uh, that our office as well as our division is putting out so it can be a wide variety of, yeah. of different uh, aspects of the position which I like so well, I understand you've been in this position now for for two years yes and just over two years What's the most exciting thing that you've experienced in this role and maybe the most challenging as well? The most exciting thing? There are several, actually. And most of it actually stems from working with the postdocs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just because it's a, such a great group of postdocs who just really want to enhance their experience here. So helping them establish their postdoc association and seeing what's coming, seeing all the people who are just so gung-ho about, you know, we should do this or we should do that. And let's, let's start a postdoc symposium and let's have that and we'll have different awards. Um, see, have talk, speaking to people after, we, after we've done like mock interviews or looking at their CV and resume and hearing the results of, um, of what's culminated from that, hearing and saying, hey, you sh I think you should really apply for this position that we posted for this um, career professional development um, session, this national session that, you, that we posted within our weekly email and hearing back that they've applied and they're, they're, us you know, they're using, utilizing all the resources there. Just a variety of things, mostly working with the postdocs. Mm -hmm. And for the most challenging, the most challenging thing is actually just making sure that everything gets done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's more of a, just within all the different, within all the different um, things that are going on within the office, just making sure that, that, every, that everything is kept on top of. So meeting all the time, um, meeting all the deadlines and making sure that everything is done. And since there are different parts going into different programming and different aspects, so just making sure that everything's done. So. so <laughs> Tell me a little bit because in this role, you're oversee postdoctoral affairs in the mm -hmm. School of Medicine. Give me an example of having to use your doctoral education in what you do. Um, that has actually come up in several different aspects. Like um, even even when speaking to some of the postdocs, 
having to be able to say that I have actually done a PhD, I've done a PhD in biomedical sciences and I have done also a postdoc in the biomedical sciences. Um, and actually having that and not everybody realizes that when they come into the office, actually just being able to say that and just the, sometimes they're like, really? <laughs> and it's, that's actually written pretty, pretty great. And also even in terms of hearing what some people are doing within their science, um, ask, I don't think they expect some of the questions. <laughs> I try not to not to ask them if, if we're hosting a if we're hosting a seminar series. I try to keep my science questions until after until after. But sometimes you give it to them anyway. Sometimes I have to. I'm just curious. I'm like, why would you? Why did you use that cell line? Or why did you? You know, little questions like that. But it's come up. It's come up several times just to have that that experience as well. And gives you street creds. It does. In in terms of postdocs who, or even graduate students, who would have an interest in potentially going down the road that you did as ultimately being a director of a postdoctoral affairs office, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, everyone actually, everyone gets to this point, everyone gets here at a different, um, through a different road. And I, don't, I think it's also remembering that not everyone gets here through the same road you may have. So it's also making sure that, um, that you may want to gain some experiences, like all the things that everyone tells you in grad school and postdoc. Um, you make sure that you have communication skills, um, all the transferable skills that you have that, are, that can be related from, that can relate to fa from faculty to industry to almost any career that you choose, but also building upon that. And if you've already identified what you want to do, try to get, look at what um, look at what some of the skill sets are for that position, and try to see if you can actually gain some of that to see whether or not you like it or not. Because you may or may not like it, but that's also advice for most other careers anyway, is to see, mm -hmm. gain some of those experiences and see whether or not it's actually for you, whether or not you like it, it's for you. Because even though you may excel at doing it, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you, that's what you should be doing if you don't like it. <laughs> so. You have to try it. You, you won't it, know yeah. you like it unless you, yeah. unless you try it. And that's for any career path that, yeah. that somebody goes and something I, I remember tell have to, I had to tell myself as well as others is just because you're good at it does not mean that that's what you should be doing and I had to remind myself of that in so in several ways yeah and I think in the end too that you want to make sure there's mm -hmm. it's rewarding definitely and that you're in it because it's a service and like we talk about in graduate affairs and it's you know we the important focuses the people we serve. Oh, definitely, of course, which is great because it's, they're such a good group. <laughs> I can't say enough about them. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Is there a question that you think that, that I haven't asked you that you feel folks who'd be listening in would like to have the answer to? Um, a question that I think that you would not not to my knowledge now, in terms of uh, moving forward, um, I guess one question is, what is the, um, something that is asked during interviews, what is your five-year plan? <laughs> so I think that's also something I mean, you know, what is it that you plan to do after, or, you know, moving forward with your career kind of thing, so. Well, so a number of folks don't know what they want to do, they don't know what they don't know. Pretty right? much, And yes. they go from day to yes. day and not really yeah. think down, or I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm for them. Just thinking forward in terms of that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
I'd like to thank you, Tricia, for, for coming on and telling us your story. Thank and you very much for having me, Randy. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for being out, Pathways. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Tricia Wright, for sharing her story of the journey that landed her as a director of a postdoctoral affairs office. I'd also thank all of you listeners for joining me on this edition of Pathways. Remember that you can find us on iTunes under Pathways, and we have the audio from our broadcast, and for some of our interviews, we've captured a video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career paths of biomedical PhD degree holders in their exciting non-academic positions. I'm Randy Brooklands. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brutkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.